Hey folks, this is Rebel Res and Rich Bergeron. Hello, Tony Pinnica. And Psychic Tom Padgett with his crystal ball uncovered. Full predictions. Yeah, way to go on our parts for not even like making predictions last week on the big fight. <laughs> how interested we were in that thing, huh? <laughs> but, well, for what it's worth, uh, belatedly, all three of us nailed it. <laughs> yeah, I was puzzled, believe it or not. I mean, I, I kind of get it now, the more that I think about it, but he just did not want to take risks. That's the bottom line. He, he did not want to risk uh, letting Parker get close enough to land a lucky punch. He did take some decent punches, you know, obviously it wasn't the blowout score that they had, but you know, as I put out on Twitter, uh, you know, those judges went to the Adelaide Bird Academy, I think. <laughs> but, what about the ref? <laughs> the well, ref was I awesome. What about the ref? I, I love the ref. He was explaining the Marcus of Queensbury to these guys, I think. The whole oh, history. Oh, I see. That's what Taking he was doing when he was breaking school. them up. <laughs> There was one part where the ref probably did the worst was when he separated them right when um, Parker was starting to rattle um, Joshua. And there was only really one time in the fight where it happened, and he looked sort of out on his feet, but he did recover quick. But the ref just stopped it and was, like, talking to the guys, giving them lectures. Like, okay, here's what boxing is all about, guys. Step one. <laughs> no, I saw another word. Yeah, and um, so basically, I wondered. They they started wondering right away how much experience he had, and they, he had like two other title fights. And I wonder if he really was brought in to delay the fight if he saw if he saw Joshua in any trouble. But at the same time, Joshua could have got himself out of trouble very early in the fight because. All he had to do was capitalize on his opportunities when um, saw, when Parker basically backed off a few times and he showed that body language of like, I'm not going to punch if you don't punch. You know what I mean? And Joshua did not wade in after him at all. And I was very disappointed that he, he could have got the knockout if he really wanted to showcase it. But a part of me says maybe he was thinking that much strategy of like trying to put a dud of a fight out there thinking that uh, Deontay Wilder is going to underestimate him. <laughs> I don't know. But he did just enough. That's, he did just enough. That's all he did to win that fight. Yeah, I kind of thought that about the Wilder situation also, if that was sort of in the back of his mind. But boxing comes through, it just seems to disappoint us. You know, always controversy. And uh, the ref thing continued on on the ESPN fights. <laughs> they got a real salty dog <laughs> to uh, referee those matches. Uh, I don't know the guy's real name, but uh, poor Mike Ryan. He was the one ref that did the great job in the middle fight. And um, Bernardo Suna basically sold him sold him out. <laughs> he called him a piece of crap you know, on air. <laughs> and it's the wrong freaking ref. Oh, yeah. it was pretty bad. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it was, yeah, I, it was I, obviously I, I, bad. A two-point two deduction with no warning. <laughs> yeah. Really. Yeah, that was bad. That's bad, bad. Real bad. bad. Real bad. 
Yeah, that reminds me of Mazzagatti uh, taking two points from Brock Lesnar in his uh, fight against Frank Mir the first time. Yeah, you don't see that too often. And, and um, <laughs> I didn't see it. I don't. I, I actually. I think I missed the replay of that. What actually happened? But when the when the announcer said it, saying, "Oh, they took it off the wrong guy," that was just like, oh, that's classic, <laughs> classic boxing. But I I thought it was funnier that that it, the uh, the refs were uh, the the refs that uh, did that, and <clears throat> he ref that fight in the first fight, and in the first fight, you notice they had like a couple gaps in the sound. A lot. He was yeah. he was cursing up a storm at those guys. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, Boston! What a colorful town! Yeah. And the sad thing is, they didn't mic the guy in Britain. And uh, and the and the Parker and uh, Joshua fight. But what did you think about that, Tony? Did you get to see it? Yeah, I did get to see it. And when the, when it first happened, you know. I thought it was getting penalized for what looked like to be a retaliatory low blow. But then when they showed the um, replays, they never showed anything that happened after the first low blow, except for the guy making like a gesture at him. But from my first view of it, I thought that he, um, you know, um, you know, responded and threw a flagrant low blow in response to the accidental low blow, which is the reason he got the two points. So I've never seen a deduction on something like that, whether it was flagrant or not, um, especially without a warning. So I thought that was a little bit um, on the um, shady side. Yeah, and then in the main fight, you know, he's, uh, he's criticized for stopping the fight early but I mean if you think about it the guy obviously the guy wants to fight and it's disappointing that he, he can't let him fight but I mean he's not going to get the decision no way and, and he's not showing any signs of knocking the guy out pulling off an upset so I thought it was a smart stoppage <clears throat> you know the kid did finally go down once and uh, he didn't look like he wanted to fight so it is what it is uh, he took the fight he on a week's notice. Yeah, he definitely earned his money. <laughs> took the fight on a week's notice. That's the most impressive part. Give him a six-week training camp. He might be dangerous. <laughs> but I like the bazooka's defense. That was uh, the, the the best part of watching that fight. It's watching him. Very impressive on that. Hands to the face almost all the time. And when he didn't, he kind of went into a sort of uh, shell, Philly shell type of thing, like a George Foreman cross arms, but uh, always always had, you know, at least one of his hands up near his face, and <clears throat> the other kid was game, but he just, uh, yeah, he didn't have the strength behind his punches, and he didn't pick his opportunities wisely, I guess, but he was kind of getting smothered here and there. <clears throat> that was a good fight. I thought that was better than the Joshua fight. Mainly. Oh, it was. <laughs> the kid was game, you know. But you know what I say about white guys and up jabs, right? <laughs> doesn't fucking work, you know. Yeah, not Floyd Mayweather. It's like what um, what my coach told me. Another Tony, Tony Petronelli said, "Don't you quit bouncing around in there, Rich. You're not fucking Muhammad Ali." <laughs> 
Sage advice. Yeah. Love it. So, I don't know. I just don't like that approach of his. I, I thought he scored some good points here and there, and, and he looked good, and, and he's kind of stunned Joshua a couple times maybe, but I don't see how he survived that long in boxing with that style. It doesn't work for him. I mean, if, if you were watching that fight from the beginning, you start to notice almost in the second round his eye is starting to get black. You know, he's and that's all Joshua had to do was sit there and pepper that eye with his jab. That's pretty much what won him the fight, you know, if you believe the scorecards. <laughs> the, the showtime scorecards were more accurate, weren't they? <laughs> uh, but uh, the big fight, obviously, is Wilder, Joshua, and maybe we'll see him have some killer instinct in that one. <laughs> Yeah, speaking of killer, boy, Wilder's been on that kick now. Oh, jeez, yeah. I, I heard something about, uh, whispers about this. He said some unclassy shit about killing somebody. Yeah, yeah he said, well, well, what was, I think, I need a body. I think it was something along those lines where I need a body. Hmm. Okay. Well. Well, I wonder what the corporate sponsors think of that. <laughs> Yeah, that's not very classy at all. <clears throat> and did you guys get to see the Pavetkin fight at all? I saw the uh, the knockout. Yeah, that was beautiful. Televised it. Decided oh. to catch it on YouTube. That was a beautiful knockout. He had been—I don't know—I I think he had been knocked down. I didn't catch that part. That was like the one part that skipped on the feed. But uh, you know, they were the announcers were selling him out. Yeah, he's gonna, he's going down. And they're all rooting for Price because he's from Britain and psh, out cold. Yeah. There he goes. And you kind of wonder if this will be it for him if he's going to pack it in because it's not, it's not the first time that he's been brutally taken out. So. Yes, sir. And uh, our boy, uh, actually, Matt Mattiano represents Yamaguchi Falco, who fought on the undercard of that uh, bazooka fight. He had a very good performance. Uh, he did a little bit of the uh, Ali shuffle. No, the Sugar Ray Leonard shuffle, I think. It was more like it. it. Confused the guy. And then popped him. Did you see that one? No, I did not. Oh. Well, the other guy got credited for a knockdown first. It was, uh, or In the first round. In <laughs> round one. Just a he stepped on his foot. Um, minute and a half into it. Yeah. That old uh, Chuck Westner with all <laughs> I'm gonna step and on your foot. And uh, yeah, knocked him down, and then Falco came back, and uh, whew, unbelievable power and accuracy. And he started to do footwork, and the other guy put his hands down, and it reminded me yeah. of that thing, you know, for a million yeah, dollar baby. Always, <laughs> you know, keep your hands up. Defend yourself at all times? Yeah. Is that the rule? So he put his yeah, hands down, and he said something to him. 
and, and obviously I think there was a swear in there. And so the kid popped him uh, as he's looking down at his feet dancing. He throws some punches right at his face, unprotected. <laughs> yeah, kind of one of those, hey, your shoe's untied. Yeah. <laughs> down. Boom. You know, it's funny that what I did say about that one, because um, I caught that part, um, you know, my dad and I were talking about him. And if you go back and you watch the fight when um, Bernard Hopkins beat Felix Trinidad, and there was a scene, maybe like the eighth or ninth round, where Hopkins was really, really starting to assert dominance in that fight. And Trinidad, you could see, was starting to re uh, lose his um, confidence. Hopkins did about a five or six, maybe seven-step Ali shuffle. Trinidad responds with about a ten-second Ali shuffle, where Hopkins stands, watches him with his hands at his sides. And as soon as Trinidad finished, Hopkins punched him in the mouth. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I did something, and then you tried to re like do it to back to me, but kind of like show me up while showing you up. And I watched Breathe it, then punched you in the face when you were done. Wonderful. No, the master of psychology. Yeah, the master of mind games. I got a, I got a question for you guys. Did you guys ever figure out? who I was sitting next to yesterday. I was just about to Google it, but I didn't. Name, Tom, do you remember what his name was? Uh, no, I didn't uh, Google it. Uh, okay. Charles Wheeler? Okay, here's, the name. here's the name again. Danny no. Stuntman Wheeler. Danny Have Wheeler. you ever heard of him? Okay. Danny Stuntman Wheeler. Sounds familiar. He was an Olympic gold medalist and a world champion. Huh. Yeah. Undefeated. In what? In what? In boxing. Oh, wow. You've never heard of him. Never heard of him. Somehow. Somehow never heard of him. Danny Stuntman Wheeler. Yeah. I thought you were going to say he was from a show where he was a stuntman. <laughs> <laughs> How did he get the stuntman nickname? That's what I want to know. Wheeler, like a wheelies and shit. Oh. Oh, Okay, so when's he coming on the show? That's the next question. <laughs> I didn't get to really talk to him. He was you know, kind of busy, but, you know, um, I was only a few feet from him. I was trying to get his attention. Stunt man. Well, there's the Rain Man in boxing coming out of you. You can do that. Stunt man. <clears throat> All right, so we got. Uh, I'm going to start right off with the Jesus fight of the week in boxing here. Well, but, but let's let's talk more about the stunt man first because I want to get into this. Okay. Uh, what you find out about him? What What did I find out about him? Yeah. Oh, just what you told me. Okay, like <laughs> you were googling him. Uh, no. I can right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, do it because I want to hear what you say. Is this an April Fool's joke? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I saw you got married, by the way. That was nice. Thanks for the invite. <laughs> and then, after you discuss Mr. Wheeler, I'm going to discuss a few other people, some that I got to see and some, you know, that actually acknowledged me yesterday. 
Some people you may have heard of, some people you may not have heard of, some people you may like, some people you may not like. But no matter what, I guarantee we'll be interested. Always. We'll be in hearing the names, whether like, dislike, whatever, doesn't matter. We want to hear. So it's from Rocky, obviously. Oh, here it is. He's a fictional champion. Ah, <laughs> but Danny Stump Wheeler is a fictional champion, yes, but the guy that portrays him is not a fictional champion. All right, portrayed by... Andre Ward. Andre Ward, yes. Whoa. So you're, uh, you're sitting next to Andre Ward. Well, am I just Andre Ward? No, no. <laughs> I will tell you, man, I always liked him as a fighter. I always, you know, not just being a very skilled technician of a fighter, a very adaptable fighter, a very good fighter. I always liked the way he carried himself inside and outside the ring. Watching him on that set the last few days, his professionalism is off the charts. <laughs> you know, his interactions with Michael B. Jordan, who plays Adonis Creed, um, you know, you can tell that they have um, a chemistry and a mutual respect for each other. So, as, as you guys know, I was you know gonna be on the set, um, you know, the last two days, Monday and Tuesday, and I got a notification, I believe it was Thursday or Friday of last week, um, and I may even said this on the show, that I was being, quote-unquote, upgraded from a spectator to a VIP spectator, which means I would be in the first two rows. So now yesterday, I had to travel a little bit. I had to go to the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, Nevada, and then I had to go to the Ukraine, <laughs> which amazed Amazing, they both were only within an hour of my house. (laughs) 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 Surprisingly, they both look very similar. (laughs) Um, So, but they told me while going there, they said, listen, um, you know, you're going to be a VIP spectator in a a huge fight um, scene in Las Vegas, Nevada. So, we want you to dress, like, flash it up a little bit, like, it's a night out in Vegas, you know, um, you know, don't wear too many bright attire, because we can't have, like, the neon colors, uh, but, you know, show us, like, you know, show some style, show some, you know, flair, so me, you know, me, I have trouble with that, <laughs> <laughs> right. so, yeah, yeah, I'm like, we are. yeah, I'm like, you know, what should I wear, so I'm sitting there thinking, um, I'm like, all right, I brought, I wore a, um, a button-up gray shirt, like one of my work shirts. I wore that, and then I was like, you know, I have this, um, like a, like a black and gray shirt with a pink flamingo on. I'm like, I'm going to wear that, but I'm going to be more like a little bit like hip, so I'm not going to button my top button. I'm going to have the tie hanging down a little bit. I'm going to wear my, my mother fedora, my dangling boxing glove earring and then I had just bought for this 
prom event we're doing, I have um like these sequin tuxedo jackets. Well, I got sequined contrasting vests to go with them. So I wore my black sequin vest. So you check in, I had to check in. I left my house at five in the morning on Monday. I check in at, you know, 6 a.m. And by like 8.30, there's like, okay, you know, we want everybody going through wardrobe. Even if you're an extra, we want to make sure that we approve your wearing. Like some people have like two bright shirts on or white shirts on. They're like, no, that's too bright. And they would give them something else to wear. I walk in the line, they're like, you're perfect. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I feel like this, you think this one's like too loud? They're like, no, that's Vegas right there. They're like, you are perfect for Vegas. I'm like, okay, cool. So originally they put me in the corner, like a few rows back by where um, Sly Stallone was gonna be. And I'm like, oh man, this is gonna be cool. And the one, one of uh, Creed's cornermen is a Philadelphia trainer that I know. So he had like the whole customized Creed jumpsuit on top, bullshitting with him um, in the um, cafeteria area, because I know him. Um, so I'm bullshit with him a little bit. And I see a few other people that I knew. And then they're like, no, we want you to go on the other side. So they put me by the corner where Andre Ward was going to be. So I was kind of sitting there. When he was taking breaks, he would sit a matter of feet from me, but I really couldn't talk to him, which kind of sucked. Um, the referee for the fight card, we just referenced his wife. The referee for the fight card was Robert Bird. <laughs> Adelaide Bird. So he was a, yeah, he was there. So, you know, I didn't really get the, the so, I mean, and you know what? He was really good. Like, he really was enjoying himself. He was talking to some of the guys that were playing the Wheeler's Corner Men. Um, and he was joking with them a lot. He was joking with Sly Stallone. Uh, you know, Sly was there. You know, it was just, everything was going, you know, it's, you know, you're getting to really see them rehearse. And then I'm going to tell you something funny in a minute as well. So, they did part of the fight scene on Monday, and then they did a lot of the close-ups and the slow-mos, and they'd have sometimes, like, we'd have to yell and scream and be like, oh. sometimes we'd have to act like we were cheering and all that. Um, so, and all during those times when they were focusing on the fighters, they had stand-ins for the announcers. So there'd be, like, a black announcer, you know, whatever, and he's supposed to look like Roy Jones, another guy with, like, you know, close-cut hair and, like, a real like, short beard, supposed to be Max Kellerman, and but then Jones and Kellerman show up when they were doing a focus just on the announcers when all you would see would be like the fighter's feet. Um, so when Jones was getting his tux on and on, he looked over in my direction. He was up to there with my fedora and my pink flamingo shirt. And I just kind of like nodded at him and tipped my hat. And he smiled and nodded back at me. And I'm like, I just got a shout out basically from Roy Jones. I'm like, how cool is that? I'm like, I wish I could get over and talk to him right now. Cause I'm like, Hey, I had you on the show five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> now, that, that is flair, Tony, and that can't be taught. That, you've yeah. got the flair, you either have it or you don't, and you have it. You know? Oh, man, I'm imagining all this. Keep going. This is fun. So, another thing they did was, like, when they were coming in, they were giving props out to people. So they were giving some people, like, pennants to wave, one with Danny Stuntman Wheeler on it, other ones with the Dynas Creed on it. And I'm like, oh man, how cool is this? I'm giving some of these. Well, they gave me a lanyard. Now, part of the rules on the contract you signed was no photos. Could not take photos. Couldn't take photos of Sly. Couldn't take photos of Michael B. Jordan. Um, anybody. 
right? And I'm sitting there, I'm like, God damn it, like, how cool would this be? <laughs> but they were, taking, they were taking people's phones away and, like, deleting the photos right from them. But what I did was I was able to get a photo of my library. <laughs> so at least I got that. Um, and then after the fight scene, which you figure they filmed, oh, another thing, like, so after a while, they moved a bunch of us to fill in some of the back rows because they wanted to show um, Apollo's widow, who was played by Felicia um, Rashad from The Cosby Show. Oh, boy. So I, I was sitting two rows behind her for like 10 minutes. And then after they did all those scenes, and you're seeing the stunt coordinators go over your thing, and how they were pulling the punches, how they were reacting to the punches, it was just so cool. Then they say, okay, now that they kind of took away a lot of like the flair and the backdrops to make it look like the MGM, they say, now we're at a televised fight card from the Ukraine. And that's when they had Drago's son, you know, just annihilating this guy. And I forget the MMA fighter that's portraying him. Um, but, you know, I mean, just, just guy just looks like an animal. Is it Sage like, Northcutt? What? Is it Sage Northcutt? Um, I don't have my computer in front of me. It could be. All I know is a big, mean-looking dude. <laughs> and but, but when he was done, he was coming over. He was just shaking people's hands. You know, just cool as can be. Dolph Lundgren was there. The man is still enormous. <laughs> And they, like, I saw videos of him working out, you know, because obviously he's not going to fight this movie, it's his son, but, you know, they want to still make him look like he's this superhuman guy. And they were showing videos of him working out, and I'm like, damn, that man, you know, is well, he's, still a beast. He's actually had a, a, a full boxing match, at least one. I've seen on YouTube, he had a full bo boxing match, like, 10 yeah, rounder with somebody yeah, big. But, I mean, I mean how, <laughs> how, how old is he now? probably like 55 because you figure he was around his early 20s when they filmed Rocky 4 and that was 85 <clears throat> tough dude so, I mean cool but here was the funny thing that I want to talk about if you want to ask questions you know we'll go back to that later it was just you know just cool being there right but they had the paid extras which I was so yes I am now considered a professional actor because I am paid <laughs> um <laughs> um, but they also had just people that were volunteers which, hey I just want to be there you don't have to pay me whatever so they had like um, like just a couple people there that they were like kind of wearing whatever because they were going to be off screen they just needed bodies in these seats to give the impression of a full arena yeah well this one kid was there and you know he looked young maybe late teens early 20s and he's sitting there, and he's just talking so much shit. Like, you would have thought he was, you know, the reincarnation of Sugar Ray Robinson, Roy Jones, Rocky Marciano, and Joe Lewis, and Muhammad Ali all combined into one. Uh -huh. You know, this was white kid, right? And he's sitting there, he's like, yeah, you're boxing all that, but I'm going to dominate, I'm dominating the UFC. I'm like, I'm a person like, I instantly did not like just from the moment I saw him. Um, some people you want to talk to and, you know, kind of bust their stones a little bit. But I'm like, I don't like you. Like, I see that one guy at my LA Fitness sometimes, and he's never had an amateur fight, never really trained out of box, and he's watching a cruiserweight title fight saying, no, these guys aren't that good, I think I can take them. And I'm like, well, where are you training at? Well, 
a friend of mine, you know, I've done some work in his basement. Okay, where'd he train out of? Well, he's never really trained either, but, you know, he's teaching me some things. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, hey, hey, you know what? Hey, does anybody want to learn from me how to play ice hockey? Because I've watched it. <laughs> oh, you know, oh, Sidney Crosby ain't that good. I hate him, but he's not that good, you know, because I can so beat him. I don't know how to lace up a pair of skates, but it's way better than he ever was. <laughs> so, those kids that talk all this shit, and he's like, yeah, you know, this is all good. Nothing gets me more than just knocking guys out in the octagon. I'm going to be a two-time, I don't know, a three-time world champion. Yeah, right. I'm just, now, look at this. So, every time they would tell you, like, okay, you know, show, like, you know, cheer and yell and all that, but don't make sound, so pantomime it. You know, just, you know, act like you're going crazy or not. He would just, like, throw uppercuts at like, nobody. You know, my dad, he, he took over the boxing world, and I'm going to take over the MMA world, or the UFC world. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, if you're around your early 20s, your father may be 50-ish. Okay, I'm trying to think of... American Caucasian fighters over the last 30 years that transcended the sport of boxing. And I'm not being racist. I'm not being... I, I can think of some really good ones. I can think of world champions, guys that were popular, but I can't say any in the past 30 or so years that were transcended and owned the sport. I mean, I hate to say it. When you think of, okay, who owned the sport over the past three, four decades... You think of the guys like Floyd Mayweather, Manny Pacquiao, Andre Ward. Um, before that, Roy Jones. Um, you know Mike Tyson, Daniel Holyfield. Mm, get the pattern here, right? Um, Felix Trinidad. Mm, I'm not giving any white guys yet, am I? You had good ones, Arturo Gotti. You know, um, Vinny Paz. These were good fighters. They were world champions. None of them were the best. They, none of them were the pound-for-pound pound number one guy. But you had other good white fighters like Joe Calzaghe. This guy was not the son of Joe Calzaghe. You <laughs> had, you know, good white fighters, you know. Um, but the Klitschko's, this guy was not Ukrainian. You know, this white American kid. So, I don't know who your father was. His father might have been some, like, guy that was, like, our mismatch of the week and on the bad side of it. Like, three... <laughs> 45 guy, my father owned the sport of boxing. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, he owned the worst winning percentage. Yeah. But he was one of those guys, I'm like, I don't even want to talk to you. You know, uh-huh. certain guys you want to just make them look like fools. Did he wasn't worth my breath. Did he say his dad's name was Jesus? You know, <laughs> very well could have been. I don't, I don't know too many white Jesuses like that. <laughs> <laughs> a new law, a new law. We're getting a new law. <laughs> you know, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna say this. Um, for whatever reason, when we were in line yesterday, and I'm gonna tie it into last week's fight because it had me rolling on the floor laughing, and I can't even remember which fighter this was. It might have been the Hispanic guy with the name Yakutami Tamaguchi or something. I don't remember. Yamaguchi. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah Yamaguchi, right? But they're sitting there, and we were in line at the end of the one shoot, and we're all quoting one of the greatest movies ever, Coming to America, 
love that movie. Hilarious. I'm all doing the Eddie Murphy lines of that movie. Like, you know, good morning, my neighbors. Or if you think of garbage, think of Akeem. You know, we're all doing that. And then we're doing the, the barbershop guy. Akamashana, Akamashana. You know, and we're doing all these lines. Makes me think of the fights last week. They're like, oh, this guy, he named his one son, a Spanish guy, names his son Akeem after the African prince. And all I can think of is, did he really name his son after Prince Akeem of Zamunda? <laughs> I'm on near pissing myself. <laughs> wow. That's funny. Sometimes I feel bad because you guys got to deal with me. Hey, it's all right. You're you're going to be a movie star. That's right. right. So then, hey, you, you just you just you show up, fight hard, rock and roll. What happens happens. And then next time, yeah. next time you get a scene, they'll let you wear what you want again because they know you can trust you, and then you can wear a Fight News Unlimited shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Instructions and all that, you can get called back for something else, which is more closer. You never know. You go, yeah. and there you go. Intimate, intimate, they said. It could go yeah. anywhere, Tony. I was, I was there early. I was there just all the time. I was there early. You know, I listened to the people. Um, when they said something, I did what they asked. They told people no background noise. I did no background noise, you know? So, hey, you never know, right? Exactly. There you go, bud. You, you got to get in the ring and throw punches. If you don't throw right. punches, forget about it. You know, if you miss, you keep throwing. You just keep throwing, and that's your mindset. You know, yeah. be relaxed. Be relaxed as you're doing it. Don't blow your cardio, and that's that's it. You know, you'll keep going regardless. But it's a good attitude to have. But and you know, you were mentioning those guys thinking that they could compete at high levels, and they're they're self-taught. In, in their in their friend's basement, you know it's funny. Boxing attracts those kind of comments. We don't see that a lot in, in like the NFL or the NBA or Major League Baseball. No one seems to say they could do that. Wonder why boxing? Yeah. Interesting. and I'm actually bust on myself here because hey, I was that kid at 15, 16, 17 years old that had a pipe dream. I didn't know how to accomplish it. And I'm lucky that, you know, I did it in college because I had an avenue. And because when I was 15, 16, 17, oh, I used to box. You know what that meant? I used to go home and hit the bag. And I'd have a pair of lunch mitts and people would hold them for me. I didn't know what I was doing. They didn't know what they were doing. All I knew was I knew how to punch hard, but my footwork was garbage. You know, I had no technique. I could just hit hard. And to me, I was a boxer. Yeah, I'm a boxer. Well, how are you a boxer? Well, uh, I train. Well, where do you train? Well, in my backyard. <laughs> well, who do, you, who, who do you fight? Well, sometimes me and my friends, we put the gloves on. You know, we, we go at it. Oh, that doesn't make me a boxer. Anybody can do that. You know, just like anybody can technically call themselves a trainer. You know, and, you know it doesn't take anybody to sit there and tell you how to hit the back, you know, to do it, to do it right, oh yeah, yeah, that's a different story, but I can sit there without ever having a fight in my life and tell you hit the back, throw one to come on, stick and move, everybody hears that comment, stick and move, stick and move, they don't even know what that means, stick and move, what's that mean, you know, 
right? Or I think Joshua wrong. doesn't know what that means. Yeah, keep throwing them punches. <laughs> keep throwing combinations. Come on. Keep doing it. Come on, you got it, you got it. Anybody can do that. You know, there's no technique to that. But a lot hey. of people say, oh, yeah, I box. Okay, where do you box? Well, you know, I train with some friends of mine. Okay, what gym? <laughs> you know, hey, I was that kid that had the pipe dream, and I used to say them stupid, ridiculous things. But <laughs> there, I learned there's a big time difference between boxing with guys that don't know how to box and boxing with guys that do know how to box. <laughs> the Grand Canyon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, you, you can you can get, like you said, you can teach yourself the bag, but how about the little, small intricacies of defense? That is so subtle. That is so subtle. You've got to have that personal touch. You're absolutely right. All right. Well, Tony, why don't you tell us how you really feel? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to start off the schedule this week. Uh, big fight in Argentina. Jesus, of course, main event. Jesus Quadro. He's fourteen and two. Fighting Jose. Jesus versus Jose. How, how about that? Jose Matias Romero. He's seventeen and zero. It's for the interim World Boxing Council Latino Super Featherweight title. Because you know Jesus is usually super featherweight. Uh, and then you know we're on the A's, so. And Australia, we got Jimmy Kilrain Kelly in the main event. How about that for a name? 23 and 1, fighting Dennis Hogan, who's 26, 1 and 1. Any related to Hulk? I don't think so. But he's promoting the fight, too, Dennis Hogan, so it's obviously, you know, he's supposed to win this one, I guess. But this is a tough matchup 26 and 1 versus 23 and 1. And Kilrain Kelly has won all six of his last fights, so last six fights. And it's for the WBO World Boxing Organization Intercontinental Super Welterweight title and the World Boxing Organization Oriental Super Welterweight title. Two Irish guys, looks like. Fighting for an Oriental title. That's great. Oh, yeah. And then at light heavyweight in the co-main event, Damian Hooper is 13 and one, fighting Reynold Quinlan, who's 12 and two, for the WBO International Light Heavyweight Title. And then you got to go all the way to the last three fights, big fight cards of the week. We've got one in New Hampshire. Actually, I'm not going to be able to make it. I had a crazy wood schedule this week, but um, we've got uh, Chris Trietti. The main event. He's also the promoter of Granite Chin Promotions. He's fighting a guy named James Morrow, who's 12, 22, and 3. Chris is 25 and 4. Military veteran, too. Super welterweights Gabriel DeLuke, who's 11 and 3, and Larry Smith, who's 10 and 34, with one draw in the co main event. That's down in Derry, New Hampshire, which is pretty much like going to Massachusetts. And, uh,. There's a little town next to Derry called Chester, New Hampshire, that uh, I don't like to drive through anymore. <laughs> uh, when I had a former job driving strippers all over New England, I got uh, pulled over there, and the stripper had to drive back because I had my license suspended somehow for an ice fishing violation here in New Hampshire. 
<laughs> pretty tough on uh, fishing violations, huh? Yeah, and the funny thing was, like, you know, at one point I'm just, like, fed up with this crap, you know. They've already, like, they're, they're already telling me what the deal is. They're not going to arrest me, but, like, then they call backup, and there's, like, two cops sitting there in this back road. There's obviously nothing going on in this town. And they're just like leaning against their cru cruisers trying to figure out what's going on with my license. And, and I'm just like, really? Uh, this is like really the action in this town right now? Me? <laughs> it's funny. I think it's like the next town over from Derry. But uh, Chester, New Hampshire, yeah. Not a fun memory there. <laughs> the worst part is I had to split the driver's fee with the stripper. You know? And I was like, <laughs> my only income. Uh, Tony's going to be upset at the next card I'm going to mention, but first we'll get to the one in Vegas. Arislandi Lara fighting Jared Hurd. It's a big one. Jared Hurd is undefeated. 21-0. He's the one that has that swift tattoo. Looks like a lightning bolt. And, and an S and a T. I'm like, what is that? It's swift. That's his nickname. Jared Hurd. He's undefeated. 21-0. He's... Uh, He's had some tough fights. I've watched some of his fights. Not a lot of them, but I have seen him in action. Uh, this one's going to be on Showtime. Arislan Dilar, of course. We know his history. He's had a lot of tough fights, too. A lot of close fights. Uh, I think I saw one of his fights in Vegas at the Cosmopolitan. And I believe he got robbed, if I remember correctly. But Arislandi is 25-2-2. Two two. This one's for the IBF. IBO and WBA World Super Welterweight title. And what the WBA is, is the WBA Super World Super Welterweight title, whatever that means. So for all the marbles, I guess. Mayweather Promotions card out there. Co-main event is James DeGale, who's 23-2-1, fighting Caleb Truex, who's 29-3-2. That's a rematch, isn't it? <clears throat> yeah, that's a rematch of the fight that Caleb ruined him in. So yeah. I, I believe James DeGale has pretty much said he's going to retire if he doesn't win this. He's pretty wow. He's, you know, he's got nothing else he can he can do but try to prove that he can win this fight uh, when he takes it seriously, I guess. But uh, we also have Julian Williams on the card. He's 24-1-1, fighting Nathaniel Gallimore, who's 21-1, 20 wins, 1 loss, 1 draw. We got uh, Alfredo Angulo, 24 and 6, fighting Sergio Mora, who's 28 and 5. Wow. He's um, still going. Mora is still going. Wow. Uh, so is Angulo. Yeah. I hope they've been around since I first started writing about boxing. <laughs> Emmanuel Medina, also on the card at Welterweight. He's undefeated at 13 and 0, fighting Saul Corral, who's 28 and 10. Even have a female fight on the card, but uh, it's way down at the bottom. Ava Knight, 14, 2, and 4 at flyweight, fighting male, and Perez, who is 19, 21, and 4. Um, and here's the one you're not going to like, Tony Rodolfo Gomez Jr., fighting none other than Ricardo Mayorga. He's back. Wow. <laughs> he said he was going to retire, but he lied. 32, yeah. 10, and 1. Ricardo Mayorga. He's back. Wow. Fighting in Laredo, Texas, believe it or not. Rodolfo Gomez Jr. is his opponent. 12, 4, and 1. 
Good luck, Ricardo. Now, well, what, what is Mayorga's record now? 32 and 10. I'm going to be getting ugly. <laughs> And yeah. we've got a uh, female fight to talk about, actually. I just skipped over. This is on Friday night, I believe, the 6th, in uh, Helsinki. Melissa St. Veal, who is uh, 10, 2, and 4, is fighting Eva Wallstrom, who's undefeated. She's 21-0 with one draw, three knockouts. And uh, this one's for the World Boxing Council World Female Super Featherweight title. If you're in Helsinki, you can watch it. And it's that's the kind of week well, for boxing. You know, Rick, I'm going to Ukraine in one week, so I could be in Helsinki. <laughs> hey, you know, don't say Ukraine too many times on air, you know. You get the NSA after you. <laughs> oh. It'll be wrapped up in the Trump dossier. <laughs> yeah, fine. Oh, Trump met with Don King oh, last weekend, believe it or not. Maybe he's got a new boxing deal. <laughs> wow. Funny stuff. Anyway, um, we do have some MMA coming up this weekend, though. Uh, big news, too. Uh, a lot of people thought it was an April Fool's Day joke, but no, not so much. No, the Tony Ferguson versus Khabib Nurmagomedov. Cancelled. Not happening right now. Uh, Khabib is going to fight Max Holloway for the title instead. Uh, Max Holloway, 19 and 3, just got the belt there. And uh, Khabib basically uh, had to pull out of the last fight due to a last second weight cut issue. Came in, uh, he's undefeated 25 and 0. I don't know how his weight cut is going for this fight, but obviously that's. You know, he's not pulling out. 19-3 and three, uh, is Max Holloway coming in. <coughs> and both of these are you tough know, guys. There's, there's, yeah, there's a lot of conspiracy thoughts floating around about this one, too. Like they did you it know, on like, purpose? Uh, well, was, was, uh, did Tony uh, kind of hurt himself on purpose? I mean, I don't believe that, but it's interesting how the rumors are going. Yep. Funny. Uh, we also had uh, have Joanna Jezrezik. I'll be butchering that a little bit. Uh, fighting Rose Namahunas in the rematch of a fight that um, was just a lot of people did not expect. You know, maybe if you knew Rose, you, you, you would expect it. But um, here's a girl who came on the Ultimate Fighter and you know just basically started mowing people down and then. She's in the UFC. She doesn't have a lot of experience compared to a lot of the UFC veterans that have titles. Uh, but she came in there against Joanna and just mowed her down. And then there was the conspiracy over whether uh, Joanna herself said whether she really tapped. She thought she was trying to get up. She didn't really tap. But, you know, you watch the video and it's just almost clear that she's tapping to those punches. <coughs> But Rose is uh, very vicious and fast. And it's going to be interesting to see how Joanna tries to mitigate that in the rematch. Uh, but as far as Holloway versus Khabib, I, I do like Khabib, but we haven't seen him in so long. His rig rust going to be a factor in that one, is what I, what I wonder there. Yeah, Max is... Um 
yeah, Max is a good submission guy, but it's never worked against Fahim on the ground. So Max would probably be better to try to keep it standing, but no one's really been able to do that with Fahim either. And Fahim's stand-ups very well balanced. So I think it'll be a rough time for Max. But uh, congratulations to him for stepping up. He said, hey, I got to fight the best to be the best. Love his attitude. And then we have Renato Carnero. He's 11-1-1 fighting Calvin Qatar, a guy from our neck of the woods here in New England. 18-2. and two. He actually fought in the main event at the, um, the the fight up here closest to me, the venue that they do the concerts out of. Uh, they had a cage fight there years ago, and I, I was talking to you about it, Tom, and, and it just came up on uh, YouTube that that was the main event. So it's, it's, he's been around this circuit for quite a while, Calvin. Calvin Kachar, 18 and 2, and uh, that's that's pretty big for him to be the third fight on this card. You know, uh, right in the middle, he's moving up there, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see if he gets a title. And uh, he's on there with another New England guy, Joe Lazon, uh, fighting Chris Gruchemacher. Joe's record now 27 and 14. Gruchemacher is 13 and 3. So, jeez. I don't know how long Joe can keep going, but uh, he's had some rough ones. I hope he uh, comes out on the good end of this one. Um, we've also got Anthony Pettis fighting Michael Chiesa. Pretty interesting match up there. Anthony is 20-7, and seven. Chiesa 14-3, and three. and then uh, one of my favorite fighters in the UFC, I can't even believe they gave him a fight, Al Iaquinta. Yeah, it's amazing, amazing. Uh, the he had. Al Iaquinta basically told Dana White to go suck a dick. <laughs> Multiple <laughs> times. Up his hotel room. I mean, a wild man. Complete uh, wild man. Very passionate guy. Gotta like, I, uh, I like the guy. He's funny. And uh, I never expected him to get another shot, but he said he's going to go sell houses. He went on a big rampage after his last fight. And uh, he just demolished the guy, and now he's going against Paul Felder, who's 15 and three, who's a veteran of the sport, and uh, you know, I think he's going to mow Paul down too. Paul, Paul's not not really expect. He does a lot of spinning back fists when you don't expect him, but Paul Felder really is just a basic one-two puncher. He doesn't do a, a lot of uh, dynamic stuff, and he likes to go all three rounds when he gets a three rounder. So uh, I think Al can mow him down. But we'll see. We'll see which Al shows up. The real estate very, agent. Very, very good matchmaking here, though. You know, you can see that going either way. It's going to be fascinating to watch. And we got Carolina Kowalkowitz. Yeah, I said that right. She's <laughs> 11 and 2. <laughs> Fighting Felice Herrig, 14 and 6. Uh, she's pretty decent. She's another girl who came through the Ultimate Fighter. For a while, uh, we got Ray Borg also in action. He's 11 and three, fighting Brandon Moreno, 14 and four, who developed the nickname McLovin because he looks like the guy from Superbad. <laughs> so it still looks exactly like him. It's funny. As I said, Joe is on fighting Chris Grutzemacher. We also got Oliver Aubin Aubin Mercier, who is uh, 10 and two, fighting Evan Dunham, 18 six and one. Just when you thought you wouldn't see either one of these guys again, 
Alex Caceres versus Artem Lobov. Bruce Leroy versus uh, Russian wannabe Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Conor McGregor's best friend. Uh, we'll see. That's that's an interesting matchup. That's kind of like a circus fight. <laughs> to me. Uh, we got a female fight. Beck Rawling, seven and seven, versus Ashley Evans Smith, who's five and three. Mike Rodriguez, nine and two, fighting Devin Clark, who's eight and two. And now, wow, this one's gonna be a tough one. First fight of the night: Zabit Magomed Sharipov, who is uh, fourteen and one, fighting Kyle Bochniak, who is eight and two. And Bellator is over in uh, Budapest tomorrow night. Main event there is really uh, the best fight of the night. Benson Henderson versus Roger Huerta. Benson comes in at 24-8. Had mixed results so far in Bellator. He's been up, he's been down. Had uh, a lot of close shaves. Uh, this one, Roger Huerta comes in 24-9. One draw, and... Uh, that's going to be an inter interesting matchup, you know. Probably yeah, the closest matchup sure. you can get at that weight in Bellator. Uh, and then you got the co-main event of Adam Borix, who's 6-0, fighting Theodore Nikolov, who's 11-1. I don't know if I've seen much of either of those guys. Uh, female fight, Denise Keholtz. She's 1-1, one one, fighting Petra Kastkova, who is 3-2-1. No, 3-2. Three, three <laughs> Then we got third fight of the night, Brian Moore, who's ten and six, fighting Giorgio Belsanti, who's seven, six, and one. And Ed Bruce back in action. He's four and zero, fighting Eon Pascu, who's seventeen and seven. And first fight of the night, Norbert, Norbert Noveni, two and zero, fighting Mehmet Yuxel, who's two and three. Now you can imagine how a guy named Norbert got into fighting, can't you? <laughs> Yeah, uh, I love that. What's the word? Uh, incongruent. That's the word I'm looking. Not just inappropriate. Incongruent. What's your name, dude? <laughs> <laughs> and that guy's seventeen and seven. So one seven's got to go, huh? An interesting record. Uh, as far as what happened to uh, Tony Ferguson. I'm actually just reading this now. Uh, he wrote an Instagram post Sunday, just hours after the news broke. Uh, he tore a ligament in his knee while on a studio set fulfilling media obligations for the fight. So, how's, how's that Fox deal looking now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, this Los is what, the, the third postponement or the fourth? Um, I think it's been slated at least three times now and hasn't come off. So, I don't know, was he doing a backflip? <laughs> well, I, I, I heard he turned, and then uh, I, I, it just, there were a couple different stories about it. And it just seemed, you know, a professional athlete falling over his own feet almost, you know? Mm. So, who knows? I mean, I don't think he willfully would have pulled out. But <laughs> a lot of questions are asked about this. Well then, have you heard the big boxing story about uh, Manny Pacquiao fighting uh, Lucas Matisse and not being trained 
by Freddie Roach. Wow, no, I didn't know that. The end yeah. of an era. Yeah. Yep. Guess, wow. Guess what weasel is behind it, too. Remember the guy, Conks, that slept on Manny's floor in the documentary they did there? Yeah, yeah, yeah I do remember that. <laughs> So this shady bastard has decided that uh, I, I don't think um, I don't think it has anything to do really with Freddie's training, so to speak. It's more what Freddie said to the media after the um, the horn fight, according to Pacquiao, from from you know that whole argument, uh, whatever's going on there. But uh, you know, obviously it's going to be in Malaysia. So I'm guaranteeing you that Freddie probably also said, I'm not going to go over there to freaking the Philippines and train you there. You know, you got to come over here. And Nanny's like, screw that. You know, I'm going to use Boo Boy, my, my friend. He's going to be my trainer. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a little bit of a combination of those two circumstances. Um, Manny might be a little, a little bit pissed off about whatever Freddie said. We don't know exactly what it was that, that put him over the edge, but... Not going to go with, with uh, Freddie Roach for his next fight, which is, you know, pretty significant, but even more significant because it's Lucas Matisse. There's no uh, cheap date, as Tom likes to say. Yes, sir. They'll be testing Pacquiao's body. Lucas has good body shots. And I know which trainer he's probably not going with. Teddy Atlas. <laughs> that would really piss Freddie <laughs> off. That'd <laughs> be interesting. And now, just to clue in our listeners, uh, I sent you guys this, but uh, turns out Teddy Atlas and uh, Freddie Roach have a little bit of a history with another former guest of ours, uh, Michael Moore. And I guess the story goes. I mean, this is this is kind of uh, off the record stuff, but it was actually in an article. So hey. I can quote it. Uh, apparently, from Freddie's side of the story, uh, Teddy left as Michael Moore's trainer, quit. And he went to uh, the manager the next night, and Freddie had been announced, you know, Freddie's going to be the new trainer. And uh, I guess he beat the shit out of the manager, broke his nose right in front of Freddie. And... Uh, and Freddie just turned to him and said, you know, I'm not, whatever his name is, you know, the guy that you just beat up. And uh, so Teddy just stormed out of there, apparently. We know he's had a volatile history. He pulled a gun on Tyson, so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can see that but, happening. But, you know, I'm just trying to picture that if uh, Teddy would have uh, said, well, you know, I don't care who you are, let's do it. <laughs> would have been interesting in the hotel room. Uh, yeah. Wow. But I did see an interview. I watched a couple interviews where they they brought it up to Teddy and, and he tried to keep shut about it, keep his mouth shut about it. But then at one time he said, you know, how did how did Moore do after uh, Freddie took over for him? You know, how, did he win that fight against Holyfield? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember saying that. Yeah. yeah. He just kind of had that sort of smug little smile. Yeah. You know? I mean, he was, funny they really shut him right out of the broadcasts too now so it's unfortunate yeah he, he doesn't even come on when it's over with now that sucks yeah I'm sure missing anyway I think that's about it 
July 14th in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. This is the main Pacquiao versus Lucas Matisse fight. And um, if you fly there, I, I would suggest a different airline than the one that disappeared there. <laughs> I'd maybe take a boat. That's in front of me the first time he fights out of like California or Las Vegas, right? In a long time. Well, that's when it's going to happen, and it's uh, it's Golden Boy Promotions too, working with Top Rank, which is odd. And uh, you know, there's been some talk about Manny leaving Top Rank, but they're planning another fight after this, no matter what happens. So they're definitely still in the picture. They're not pissed at Top Rank. Supposedly. But guess who is the next guy they have in line? Guess who Manny We're wants listening. Guess who Manny wants to fight after he tunes up Matisse, he thinks, anyway. Lomachenko. Lomachenko. Interesting. Well I don't know. I don't know what my first Tony, what's your first gut? reaction on hearing that. Well, we were talking about Lomachenko yesterday, man. Um, <laughs> Nomaschenko. <laughs> you know, I... I, I, I right now, it's like, you know, I don't even know if I have a gut reaction on it. Just, you know, my mind's still a little bit in, in you know, mode where I'm a little bit out of it, but we were just talking about him yesterday, and it's like how, how good he is, you know. Well, I mean, what what is your thought on it? You know, I'm kind of like you. Know, I'm just like I, I'm not really getting a gut feeling strong. Just yeah, it just it's so just so unexpected, you know. I'm just. Talk about biting off more than you can chew, though. I mean, beat beat the first guy before you start throwing that name around. Lucas yeah. Matisse, yeah, that's that's not uh, that's not some unknown guy, you know. He's, yeah, he's that's right. No cheap take. So I'd uh, I'd keep my mouth shut about the guy you're gonna fight after that until you beat the guy. <laughs> that, you know, though, this could be an entertaining fight because. Neither guy likes to back up a whole lot. And Manny's movements nowhere what it used to be. So, it could be in the trenches. Uh, and before I forget, uh, Tom, if you didn't get to see it, Joe Riggs fought to a draw in that M1 fight, and it was kind of horrible. Because uh, he admitted that he didn't train correctly for it. He should have used the striking more, and he just kind of shit the bed because the guy tried to take him down so much that this changed the fight. But yeah, it was not the fight that I expected for a co-main event. Mm. The main event was a little better. I only watched it because it was free. <laughs> and it's Joe Riggs. I just can't believe the guy shot his hand off, basically, or shot a, a hole through his hand and he's still fighting. <laughs> One of a kind. Boxing's always had colorful characters, and MMA's yeah. kind of keeping that tradition also. Well, what did Chuck Liddell say? Uh, well, we all have issues. That's why we're fighters. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's got to be something. You have to have something a little bit off. Well, you know, speaking of good quotes, um, I, I saw, you know, the show Naked and Afraid, the survival show? Yeah. Uh, somebody on there used Mike Tyson's quote when some, some girl got uh, sick or something and had to leave the show. He said, you know, Mike Tyson's always said, uh, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably his most quoted line, huh? After all these years. Everybody has yeah. a plan until you get punched in the face. Or, you know, um, I make you scream with a girl, or I'll make you kiss me with them big lips. Um, <laughs> he has a lot of good ones. I'll eat his children? Raise a ruddock. How about that one? Anyway, I think that's about it for us. I got uh, no more big stories, no more big fights to talk about. It's kind of a slow week for fighting, but uh, you know we'll have enough to talk about yeah, anyway. Well, you talk a lot about um, you know the last few days and how cool it was and how much I enjoyed it. And yeah, yeah. and uh, you know we really didn't get to talk much about Florida. How was spring training and all that? Did you, did you oh, really yeah, it was great. Um, you know, you know, got to go down there. Um, you know. For a couple of days, went to Hogan's, went to Hogan's Beach Shop. I missed the hookster wasn't there. Um, I bought one of his shirts right on the spot, and you know, actually changed right in the store. I told the girl, I said, "I don't buy change shirts right now." She said, "No, I'm sure she sees it." Um, posed in front of the Hogan statue, like I always do, with the obnoxious bum that I am. <laughs> and then uh, it's all the different spots I got to go to, seeing the people and photo ops more photo ops that I could, you know, shake a stick at. But always a good time. You know, always enjoy it. Always love being down there and, you know, seeing some cool people. Met some guys that played for the Eagles. Um, and and just, just getting away. But every morning, I got up and did my four-mile run. Got on the treadmill four miles every time. Um, and there were some days I was like, I think I'm sweating out pure 90-proof alcohol. <laughs> it's the best best hangover cure though, isn't it? What? It's the best hangover cure though, isn't it? That and drinking water. It really is. You get that good sweat going. You get your, you know, you, you get your heart rate pumping again, um, and you force yourself, and you you just get a lot of that shit out of you. And it's like, all right, I did what I had to do, and you know, but I feel like I'm all right again. Every time I think about running after drinking, I think of Virginia Military Institute and my alcoholic friend telling me, hey, let's go on a run. And, like, I'm the boxer. I go on the runs, you know, and, like, he wants to go on a run with me. I'm like, all right, he's crazy, but let's go. So he's, he's had a night of drinking. I've had a night of drinking. And we start running, and he's got to stop, like, six times. He's almost puking. I don't know how you do it, Rich. And I'm just like, well, I mean, I'm used to it. <laughs> he's like, it is a good hangover cure, though. I pretty much got rid of all the crap that I had in my system. That's it, man. Anybody just uh, smelling the fumes coming off me on those treadmills, I think we're probably getting drunk. <laughs> nice. But you know what? Hey, it was a good time. I enjoyed that little guy. Had a lot of fun down there, and always good, to, you know, always good to just see people and get down there. It's like, you know, the way the way they treat me down there is just, you know, off the charts. They really do make me feel like I'm 
more famous than I am, uh, just because I wear a replica of Apollo Creed's outfit. And, and I always say this, and um, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Anybody can wear a hat and a cape and go to baseball games and, you know, dress up. But it's the way you interact with the people. Um, and and especially when we're not doing it for any type of monetary compensation. You know, people can be mascots and all that and they get paid that their job. I do this for fun. I do it because I like it. I do it because, you know, it's, a, it's just a fun way to meet people. You know, you don't ask for anything in return. I don't ask for money. I don't ask for drinks. I don't want any of that. I just want to go there and just have fun, enjoy myself, enjoy life. Because it was a time a few years ago, and Tom, you weren't even our co-host at the time, um, that I wasn't having fun in my life. I was at a job that I was not happy with. This is going back about, you know, almost seven years ago now. Uh, seven, eight years ago, it was a job I wasn't happy with. I was just, uh, I would go to work, I'd be miserable. I'd come home, and I just, you know, it was just a never-ending cycle. I just couldn't get happy. And I was stressed out all the time, and this place didn't allow me to take a lot of days off. So the one time, finally, I was just stressing myself over out over everything. I had, you know, some flooding downstairs with the hurricane, so I almost lost a lot of my memorabilia. But thankfully, I was able to get the pumps going before I lost a lot of my box and stuff. And, you know, I was just so worn out. I was so tired. And this place was beating me up with work, and I was working overtime. And finally, finally, it all caught up to me on a weekend. It was actually the night that um, Mayweather knocked out Victor Ortiz. And usually for a fight like that, uh, it was like those type of fights, sometimes I get them, sometimes I wouldn't. This one I decided not to. I kind of followed it online, but I just, I wasn't, you know, even getting into it. And um, the next day I ended up in the hospital because we thought I had um, an issue with my kidneys. And the doctor even told me, he goes, no, he goes, you're worn out. You know, you, 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 I can tell just from talking to you, you're under a lot of pressure and, and your body is physically like almost going into like a shock because you're under fatigue. Yeah, yeah, like adrenaline fatigue, <laughs> adrenaline glands, too. Yeah, and, um, and he's like, you need to take some time off. Well, my company wouldn't, I didn't get a day off for two more months, and that was because it was a sick day. And that's how bad they treated people. And when there was a layoff opportunity came up, I took it. You know, and I remember saying to myself, I'm going to not let stress beat me anymore. Um, and I, I was unemployed for a while, almost a year. Um, but I, instead of just having an explosion at work and not getting nothing, I was able to get a layoff and I was able to, you know, not walk out of there with nothing. I got a severance. So I was like, at least I had a little bit of a padding to fall back on. And I said, you know what? It was right when that was happening is when I developed this super fan persona meaning I wasn't going to take going to the games as seriously anymore. I was going to learn to enjoy it. And that's what I did. And I developed it where I came around and said, hey, there have been times like, hey, some people down there have been very rude to me, and sometimes I've just smiled and walked off. Sometimes I've gotten rude in return, just depending on what has been said. And that's been maybe 1%, to be honest, maybe less than 1%. So, well, what, what, what was your point? To get, just to be a jerk? Yeah, like, I'm sitting there, and I'm 
we're at uh, we're at uh, the um, the game had gotten um, rained out, so we all ended up at the one facility next door. And we were all having some drinks, and I'm hanging out with some of my friends in the band, and we're all having a good time. And um, this guy came up and rips the hat off my head. I'm like, oh, you never touch me! Like, oh, don't you ever touch me like that again? Well, I want to put your hat on for a photo. I said, well, you could ask me for one, but don't ever touch me again. Yeah, now, you, you, don't, you don't know this guy, right? You don't even know who this guy is. Never met him a day before in my life. Wow. And, and, and I said, I said, don't you ever touch me like that again. And then I started going off and my friend actually grabbed me and he goes, we might need to get out of here. But part of the underlying reason on that was our other friend that was supposed to meet us there that night and then drive us home decided he wasn't going to come down because his wife was giving him shit. So he was going to leave us abandoned down there. So I was already in a bad mood, and this guy struck the wrong chord. But at the same time, you know, you know, don't put your hands on me. You know, you could say, excuse me, may I? You know, like, I'm like, yeah, you think you're some cool frat kid? You're not. Don't touch me ever again. That was, um, you know, one issue I had, one of the small ones. And then um, there was another one about, like, a year or two ago, um, we got in the game, and we are at the... Um, actually the game got canceled we were at the um, place across the street same band was playing and hanging out with them and I really wasn't drinking a whole lot that night but um, one guy was like um, if I forget what the thing was but they were trying to get him to do the worm the dance the worm and um, like if he if he can wear your hat for a photo he'll do the worm and then, okay, fine. The hat, and then it was whatever, but then he wouldn't do it. And then I'm like, all right, you're being kind of a dick now. And then he was like, he said, well, if he can wear your whole outfit, he wants to get a video doing the worm in your outfit. I'm like, no. Mm-hmm. Fuck you, dude. You're not wearing my shit and going on the floor of a bar. If I want to drop down and get him push-ups right now, it's my outfit. I don't need you trying to, you know, do this, and then you get it all dirty, you get it stained, you get it torn, and then you're like, oh, that's yours, I'm st- sorry for your luck. No. And then he kind of, like, said something, I'm like, you're a dick, you know? You know, your friends just wanted you to do this because it's your birthday and have some fun, and you're being, you're kind of being a jerk. But, yeah, I, 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 I mean, the, the hat is one thing, yeah. but now the whole outfit, really? Really? Yeah. I mean, think, think about how ridiculous that sounds, okay? Yeah. What are you supposed to wear? His pants? Oh, well, man. No, he, he wasn't wear the hat and the cape. I mean, the pants and all would stay the same. He just wanted to wear my hat and cape to do the work. Now, if you oh, I didn't do, want you with the pants, too. Okay. No, you didn't want the pants. But say you wanted to wear my hat and cape for 20 seconds and do say the Apache dance, the Tonto jump on it where you're like you're like doing the whole thing and you're doing like the spin around, that's fine. Or you want to do the electric slide, hey, be my guest. I'll even take a photo of you doing it. I'm cool with that. Now, my one friend, I'm gonna see him tomorrow at the game. He's a lead singer in the cover band. A couple of years ago, he, uh, they were playing and um, it was two, two or three different bands that I get to see. Oh, the one band, I actually was hanging out with the lead front man at the um, um, shooting yesterday. I'm friends with him, he's always cool. The other guy that's a friend of mine that I might see tomorrow, he, he pulled me aside and he goes, hey, Tone, can I ask for a favor? I said, yeah, Jake, what's up? He goes, because they were playing outside um, after the game at the facility across the street. He goes, 
can I wear your hat and cape for one song? JT, absolutely for you, of course. You're my friend. He took up by a drink. That's a fair deal. But he wasn't going to do, you know, he, first of all, he asked. And he's my friend, so of course I'm going to say it. And it wasn't like, hey, can I break dance in it? No. Mm-hmm. He said, can I sing one song wearing your hat and cape? Absolutely. And I said, you know what? I'm even going to take photos of you and put them on my fan page. So, you know, you get the good, you get the bad, but my thing is, I tell this, and I know it's long, you know, drawn out way of saying things, but it's a way that I kind of say this is therapeutic for myself as well. When I get out of a lot of these places in Florida, I go down to breakfast, I went in on Saturday. I got in on Friday. Saturday morning, I was going to Clearwater Beach, so I'm not in costume. And I kind of snuck into the breakfast place, I saw the owner, said hi, went up to the counter, and a couple of the waitresses look over and say, oh my God, it's you. Uh-huh. They were wondering when we were coming down. They're like, what are you wearing? I'm like, I'm not going to a game today. going to Clearwater Beach. You're coming back tomorrow, right? Yes, I will. But at the same time, I'm, I'm very personal with them. I'll talk to them, you know. Hey, how you doing? Good morning. Um, I, I make sure they're always well compensated. Hey, the owner, the one day company breakfast. I didn't ask him to. Um, you know, and the fact that some of his customers were asking for photos with me, they're like, well, we don't want you to have to get up and do that. I'm like, yeah, it's not a problem. You know, let's do it. Um, because I don't want to hold you up either. And he's like, you know, let me, I went up to pay my bill. And he's like, um, and I went and the girl, I gave her 20. And then, um, and I already had money set aside for the tip, you know, in, in my hand. I gave her 20 just to pay my bill. And she gives me, she goes, oh, you need like, like, um, 10 and some fives. And I'm like, well, what about my payment? And they're like, oh, you're on the house today. Okay. So I took the $10 she gave me instead of giving the girl a five or $6 tip, she got a 10 spacker. Uh-huh. You, you know, when I say people, I want you to remember me. I want you to remember me, but I want to be the guy you remember me because you want to wait on me. You want, when I come in, I want you to say, oh, hey, he's here again. Not, oh, God, he's here again. <laughs> and I, oh, I look good. at that when I go to the fight. I look at that ways when I go to any restaurant, whether I'm in costume or not in costume. You know, if you are good to me, I am extra good to you. And that's the way I live my life anymore. All right. And that, that's what's gotten me through my obstacles in life. You need, you need your own show, Deep Thoughts, with Tony Pepper. Yeah, really, really. <laughs> That's good stuff. All right, well, we covered a lot today. And, you know, probably will be tomorrow, right? I'll be at the game, um, taking photos and meeting people and hopefully not having any problems. Hey, um, I'm sorry to hear that it snowed in Philadelphia so much the other day. I heard you got like five inches, but um, the best news about that snowstorm was that uh, the Yankees' uh, opener got snowed out. (laughs) Well, you know what? The the first day that I was in Florida, the very first day, um, I get a um, phone call. My mom was back home. They said, we might get a snow shower tonight. It's coming down and it's starting to lay on the ground. This is ridiculous. We're almost in April now. I'm so tired of this. I'm like, no, can you relax while I finish putting on my sunscreen? Thank you very much. (laughs) 
Yeah. Did you get a bad one, the last one? Was it too bad? Um, the last one I was home for, no, not really. Yeah. Too bad. That's good. Yeah. We're supposed to get another yeah, inch or two here, but I think we're pretty much done with it. I'm starting to get my spring orders in like crazy for firewood. I'm uh, packing on the muscle this week. Jesus Christ, I probably dropped 20 trees yesterday by myself. <laughs> I'm going through the woods and dropping them in crazy situations. I got myself stuck once, somehow, miraculously, only once. But, <laughs> yeah, it was a crazy day. So, spring is here. Spring, people are already in the spring mode around here. But, uh, yeah, the snow just doesn't seem to want to go away. Kind of reminds me yeah, of Colorado. the weather is not, not cooperating, huh? The weather is not cooperating. Well, it's all right, though. I don't mind a little bit of snow. Sometimes it helps. All right, till next week, guys. I think that's going to be it for us. All right, guys. Enjoy the fights this weekend. All right, sounds good, gentlemen. Adios.